1: t-o-l-k-i-e-n and instagram at tipples and tolkien
0: so cozy up
1: pour yourself a drink
0: and come on a journey with us this fall on tipples and tolkien
1: Action stations, action stations, set condition one throughout the podcast. Welcome again to set condition one, a night shift radio production. I am SC1 actual Caleb and with me as always are the president of the 12 colonies, Andrea. Hello. And the XO, Kitsy. That's me. So how's everybody doing today?
0: I'm so good. So good. Mm-hmm. How good are you? Oh well, don't press on the subject, cause really it's really hot. <laughs> um and I'm <laughs> crouched on my floor talking to y'all, so
1: it's 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 a very hot day. Uh you might need some water. Oh. Oh interesting. Uh <laughs> so for those of you who have uh, joined us since the beginning, welcome back. Anyone who's new, uh, welcome to Second Edition One. We are uh, super excited to have you join us. We are a Battlestar Galactica fan cast. Uh, I myself, Caleb, uh, was actually introduced to Battlestar Galactica several years ago by my co-host, Kitsy. That's and, me, uh, again. That's that's you, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also am uh, a host of two other Night Shift Radio podcasts, uh, Never Heard of It and Left of the Dial. You can learn more about those at night, uh, nightshiftradio.com slash shows. And uh, don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you're into any of these, because uh, we really appreciate that.
0: I think that, okay, I'll go second, <laughs> even though I'm I'm third in the uh, Battlestar Galactica fan e-
2: yeah, but you were second Order in the this. intro today, so that's
0: a good point. You're right. You're right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was introduced to Battlestar Galactica some three, four weeks ago by my co-hosts Caleb and Kitsy, and I've seen four uh, as of the well, two hours of as of this episode, but I think in total about four. Um, and the only other thing I do is teach English and read Animorphs, and that's me.
2: I'm kitsy. I do some stuff and some things.
0: Uh, <laughs> Prove it.
2: No. Uh, like Caleb, I also uh, do a podcast on Left of the Dial called. Nope, let's try that again.
0: <laughs>
2: I do a podcast on Left of the Dial called Night Shift Radio. You should check it out. <laughs> uh, yeah, long. so. Oh, what?
0: Huh? But, I just wanted to say, Freddie Wong, if you are actually listening, Glenn Close is my favorite dungeon daddy. And if you're not, he's still my favorite dungeon daddy.
2: Good to know. Now Caleb doesn't know what something means for once on the podcast. <laughs> I'm okay with it. Good. Uh, let's, try this. let's try me again, though. I'm Kitsie. Uh Hey, Kitsy. Hey, Caleb. Uh, with Caleb, uh, we do Left of the Dial, which is another... A podcast on the Night Shift Radio network where we talk about music and stuff, so you can check that out at leftofthedial.fm or nightshiftradio.com slash shows. Caleb already said that. I don't need to say it again, but I'm doing it anyway, apparently. Uh, I also love Battlestar Galactica. Uh, Caleb and I uh, started watching it together uh, almost 10 years ago when we lived together in Syracuse, New York. Uh, Shit, it really was that long ago. It's 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 been like nine years. Um, and, uh... Yeah, we used to sit there and watch episode after episode while drinking case after case of yingling. <laughs> yes. Because yeah. that's what you do in your 20s. <laughs> Which is, I'm pretty sure, why I
1: feel like I'm experiencing some of these episodes for the first time, even though I've watched the show, like, four
2: <laughs> times. Yeah, it's, you know, it's been a while since I've watched through the whole thing, so it's it's kind of, some of the stuff is kind of new for me. Like, I remember the overall plot, but there are a few things that I'm like, oh
0: yeah, I forgot about that. So... It's- weird a lot of it seems really new for me too
2: that's very surprising we should really dig into why that is yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right so today's episode we are discussing season one episode two water and so
2: i brought my water bottle to the recording
1: i'm actually drinking iced tea but that's mostly water okay
0: I'm holding it up like anybody else can see, but I'm drinking iced coffee, which counts toward your daily hydration, just so everybody knows.
2: Okay, so we're all drinking some form of water. Mm-hmm. Mine, me being the only one drinking the pure uh, stuff.
0: Yeah, like a baby. Drink,
2: drinking the good stuff. <laughs> so hey, hopefully, Caleb, yes. Do you want to tell us about this episode and how it starts? I was literally just doing that. I know. <laughs> So, hopefully, if you've watched
1: this episode and you know how it goes, if not, maybe pause spoilers. the podcast and uh, and go watch it because we are going to spoil it. Uh, but quick recap. The uh, episode opens on our uh, favorite uh, secret Cylon, Sharon Boomer. Uh, she's in a locker room. She's drenched, completely wet. Maybe that's what the uh, the title's about. We don't know yet. We just know that she's uh, she's soaked with water or something uh opens up a uh, a duffel bag very confused pulls out you know her her uniform to change out of her her flight suit back into her her dress blues uh but what else does she see but some explosives and a detonator ah, ah, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun. and of course she's very confused she doesn 't know how that got there and like how she got where she is and so she tries and why to, is she uh, wet why is she wet we don't know. Uh, she tries to casually and discreetly bring the detonator back to the small arms locker where she it's does a uh, bad si- job with that. <laughs> She's very not discreet at all.
0: Not discreet <laughs> at all.
1: Uh, but in trying to return the the explosive in the detonator, she realizes there are six more missing. I feel like the number six might be, uh, I don't know. It might be important here, but we don't know. Um, and so, so who does she, who does she confide this information in?
2: But her good friend, the chief, her boyfriend, the chief, chief Tyrell. Nobody knows that.
1: Everybody knows. Everybody knows.
2: (laughs) Everybody knows. So, yeah, she at one point she grabs, uh, grabs chief Tyrell and is like, I need to talk to you. And he's like, oh, uh, yes, sir. These navigation parts or whatever are ready for inspection, sir. As they go into uh, the the tool room. And Callie just kind of rolls her eyes like, oh, those kids. There they go again. Off to bone (laughs) in the closet. Because, again, everybody Everybody knows. knows. It's not a a,
1: secret at all. There's a
0: lot of good, I don't know if good is the right adjective, but there's a lot of face acting um, Mm -hmm. in this show. Uh, Some of it is very good. Some of it is maybe not as, but it's a lot of fun to watch people react in this show.
1: Yeah, I mean, so much of this is taking place in very close quarters in a, a situation where everyone is expected to remain somewhat serious and show some decorum. But, like, everybody's going to react to these things. It's it's impossible not to, but their restraint in doing so is, is
2: admirable. <laughs> um, so, so the thing that I have been wrestling with um, is whether or not Sharon knows what she did or is it an act like she doesn't know she's a Cylon yet. As far as we know, but you know, she, she wakes up soaking wet and, you know, is panicked talking to the chief like, Oh my God, what are we going to do? There's these detonators missing, blah, blah, blah. But part of me is wondering is that an act? I am interested
1: in Andrea's perspective because I know what I think, but <laughs> watching it the first time, what did you think?
0: Um, So that was my question at first, especially with how um, Scooby-Doo, like her sort of uh, secret walk <laughs> into the armory or whatever is. But the moment... <laughs> at- <laughs> there are moments, at least, um, where I think you can see her struggling and like trying to figure it out so uh later in the episode when they're trying to locate water on the surface and she says i'm having trouble saying it she means that like literally and physically that she Mm -hmm. knows it's there she wants to vocalize that and something is holding her back from that um and i my guess is that she suspects something ain't right um when you wake up soaking Wet, you can't explain why, and that's like the least of your concerns, but with all the missing bombs and all, there's definitely something going on. Right. Um
2: but yeah, I mean if you if you wake up soaking wet and you're not Bruce Springsteen, like that's probably a problem. <laughs> <laughs> <Very good. laughs> well done. You can't see it at home, but I just did finger guns at the, they, at the Google Hangout.
0: I'll bet they knew you did though. They felt oh, it you,
2: you could hear it in my yeah. in my <laughs> <laughs> attitude.
0: For sure. Uh-huh.
2: I I very
1: much agree with Andrea on this, and I think so much of that comes in to, uh, at least in like the first several minutes of this, Sharon is alone, and her reactions of shock and horror and confusion are a little bit too realistic and too natural uh, when she's by herself uh, to be convincingly an act. Like, if she was just like, you know, she wakes up and goes to the chief and there's like, Oh my God, I don't know what happened here. Like that I could see, but like she's by herself and comes to from like being passed out. It almost as though like this other consciousness took over her briefly and then let her go. And so th- this was kind of hinted at early on when they learned about, uh, you know, the Cylons looking like us now is that there might be sleeper agents who don't even know that they're Cylons. And well, all, of, all of Sharon's behavior up until this moment, I would say up through possibly the very end of this episode, and we'll get to why that matters, uh, all of it up through that point feels to me like she doesn't know. Fair enough.
0: Well, and just to jump back to the opening credits of this episode, um, it's the, like, previously on Battlestar Galactica, and they do the recap, which I don't remember them doing in the first Official episode, I guess I could be I
1: think wrong. that this Might be where they start That and then ongoing they do it
0: Yeah, I thought it was yeah. interesting That it's sort of like, that felt to me Like you would think that were the first episode To catch you up from the miniseries um, But the reason I bring that up is In the, the text in that um, It says something like um, Some of them Even, or some of them are even programmed to think That they are human um, Yeah and I feel like it's unspoken. It's like an unspoken TV role that you can't lie to the viewer in the opening credits, yeah. right? Like,
1: Leoban well, and Doral, I think, knew that they were Cylons and were trying to convincingly lie. I don't think Boomer does.
0: Correct. she'll be pissed when she finds out.
2: <laughs> so here's a, here's a fun question, not to derail us too much from the episode but I'd, I'd like to know both of your answers to this question. If you were a Cylon, and I knew, and you didn't, would you want me to tell you?
1: Oh. Yes. I guess it depends on the context of how you knew, but I think oh. yes.
0: If I'm a Cylon, you have to tell me. Otherwise, it's entrapment. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I have already made I have three jokes so I don't I'm not even gonna
2: it's fine um, <laughs> I, I think <laughs> I only have six so it's I not think, like I'm doing much better
0: I think I'd want to know because I'd be kind of psyched yeah are I mean are all Cylons hell-bent on the destruction of the human race
2: we'll find that out yeah we'll find that out are
0: because, all uh, Cylons who know they're Cylons maybe I should say
2: Much like, let's come back to that in many episodes from now.
1: (laughs) Same, much like any group of people large enough, there's not necessarily one, um, like cohesive opinion or philosophy across them all. So, we'll, uh, we'll definitely get to that and why that's important, uh, in later episodes. But that's a great question. Um, I think that being a Cylon in real life would play very well to my desire for there to be multiple copies of me.
2: <laughs> well, as we've talked about before, we think there might be. There definitely are.
1: There are several versions of me living in this timeline right now, and I don't know how they got there or how I, I got here.
0: <laughs> Ooh. I don't think Ooh. that's come up on this podcast. I think you have to be a fan of... Um, Night shift radio content across podcasts to that,
1: that's true. Be in it's on definitely, one. it's definitely come up in Never Heard of It and I think also Left at the Dial. Yeah,
0: yeah. for sure.
2: <laughs> so, just just for fun, you do actually have to listen to all of the podcasts on Night Shift Radio to uh, fully immerse yourself in this uh, complex <laughs> ARG that we're weaving for you. <laughs> so, piece together the story of time traveling Caleb. <laughs> oh, there's more to it than just time traveling Caleb. <laughs> it goes It goes so deep, but anyway, it goes so deep. we can 't talk um, about the whole thing on this podcast you 've got to listen <laughs> to the others <laughs>
1: so yeah, I, I think that I would want to know now, what is this mystery that uh, Sharon is uncovering really set up for us? Well, we pivot immediately to this whole like pomp and circumstance uh, ceremony where the president is brought back on board Galactica uh, to observe the um, refilling of another ship's water tank and they go to great pains to explain how Galactica has this amazing uh, water filtration system that recycles almost 100% of the water used so they have years and years and years worth of uh water for just Galactica to use if they were by themselves they could survive for a very long time without ever replenishing but some of the other ships in the fleet don't have that so they've got to dock up with uh, Galactica's water system periodically and refill their tanks. So there's this whole ceremony that they do, and, uh, you know, the commander
2: fucking hates doing it. Hang on, no, no, wait, wait, has- wait, 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 wait. To be clear, the ceremony's not for the water docking. Like, they don't do a big pomp and circumstance ceremony every time they give a, another ship some water. Okay, that's fair. The ceremony—because <laughs> that'd be fucking weird— <laughs> The ceremony. They set it up like it's that way, though. They, well, okay. Mm. The ceremony is for the president coming on board the ship, and uh, as we <laughs> learn, it's Adama's way of trying to help her feel more presidential, even though he hates the ceremony and the protocol and and all this crap. But we also find out that uh, Laura Roslin herself also dislikes all of this uh, ceremony and and protocol. And uh, they're both just kind of grinning their teeth and bearing it because they think the other one appreciates it.
1: Yes, and neither one of them do. And no one on either of their staffs really is all that into it either. Yeah, like nobody actually wants to be doing it. (laughs) Um, And just as they're like, they've completed going through this whole spiel about the amount of water they have and how long their supply can last. Lo and behold, Galactica is rocked by explosions on one side and all of the water tanks on that particular side, I believe is the port side of the ship, just start venting into space. It's uh, like that-
0: they've never seen Titanic. Like you can't just- brag about how <laughs> unsinkable <laughs> your ship is and then expect it to not immediately sink. What do you think Titanic mistake.
1: would be called in, in this universe? Titanica. Titanica, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, yeah.
0: They don't really, there's not a whole lot of brain power going into the naming um, uh, conventions in conventions. Battlestar
2: Titanica. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, Again, fantastic. The unsinkable Battlestar Titanica.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the first
1: casualty of the Cylon War, yes.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Leo DiCaprio.
2: <laughs> that might be the funniest thing anyone has said on this podcast so far
0: well i had that really good jurassic park
2: joke yeah, I say, I think
0: a couple I, episodes back but i think
1: you now have documented uh evidence of that being the the funniest thing so you may now have be
2: two for two on funniest things said oh. on this podcast
0: and i am keeping track <laughs>
2: let's let's not forget Billy Ray Cylon also
0: Billy Ray Cylon is very good that was a joint (laughs) effort though I think you had that good Springsteen one all of uh, 30 seconds ago
2: Uh, That was (laughs) yeah that was a good one too hey so they're venting all their water directly into space
1: but when the damage control uh, teams go to try to sort things out they only find five detonators but wait, or Caleb. rather, uh, evidence of five explosions, I should say. They don't find any detonators.
2: Yeah, there were five. They, yeah, I was to say, those detonators detonated. survived. Holy shit. That's, like, those little plastic explosives, uh, which I believe in this universe are called G4 and not C4. That is correct. Uh, I believe uh, if they can blow a hole in the side of the Battlestar, but the detonator survives, they should probably make the Battlestar out of whatever they make the detonator <laughs> yeah, out of. Is
0: this your Seinfeld for, for the future.
2: Why don't they just don't make they the plane their... out of a black box? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's basically what I'm saying.
0: Jerry signed Seinfeldacon. I could do this all day.
2: <laughs> so, so, Caleb, they only find five explosions, but I thought earlier you said there were six detonators missing. That's true, which uh,
1: sends our our girl Sharon into yet another frenzy of feeling like somehow they're going to find that last detonator and she's going to get it's going to get traced back to her and she's going to get in trouble. Which, again, the panic in her uh, expression and in her voice tells me, like, she she knows that, like, she probably is involved in this, but she doesn't believe that she is and she doesn't know how she could be.
2: So she's desperate to find answers. And at one point, even, um, she's talking to the chief. And, you know, the chief's like, You can't screw around with this stuff. You've got to go tell the master at arms. And she's like, I can't. They're going to think I'm a Cylon. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I, that's the, that's the thing that kind of gets me, though, is that, like, she went straight to, Oh my God, they're going to think I'm a Cylon because I found explosives. Like, that's well, a. It, bit of a stretch to me but hey that does get touched on though because when they're having a a briefing later and
1: they learn that it was sabotage that it was explosions um, the I I think it's the commander that immediately jumps to like we have at least one Cylon on Galactica and then they have this whole discussion of like we have to keep this under wraps who knows that the Cylons look like us now and they incorrectly say that it's like the five people in the room and three Marines there's definitely more people who at this point have have heard it whether they you know, know concretely or not like that that information is definitely out there yeah the rumor uh,
2: is spreading fast
1: but they they make a point to say like you know we've got to contain this because people are going to be just accusing their neighbors of being Cylons for nothing which given humanity's track record I think is a pretty reasonable statement
0: oh I think absolutely it's, yeah I think it's maybe the first time I've disagreed with President Roslyn because she says like Rumors are always flying, or something like that. Um, but that's all—that's all you need. Like that's—that's that's as good as fact for for most people in a situation like this. Yeah. Um, so I her confidence there, I think, was uh, a little unfounded, maybe.
2: Well, you know, she's just she's still learning how to do the job. She's so good. Like, this is like her second day. So that's <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I was trying to figure out how many like hours have even passed since um the first part of the mini series right It's like not quite in real time but it it almost feels like it is um,
1: it's It's really interesting cause they they play a lot with the time there because I feel like there are are several times where there are days, if not weeks between. Uh, what we see as episodes, uh, and other times I feel like it's minutes. Uh, And we know that uh, episode one, 33, they've been at it for at least five days because they've been jumping every 33 minutes. But we don't know when that started after the miniseries. We also know that at the end of the last episode, they finally got away. Uh, But how long between that last jump where they realized they were in the clear... Till now uh, it's worth noting that in this whole time that they are now uh, stuck trying to figure out their water situation, there's still no Cylons present. So the Cylons have not yet caught up to them in
2: space. Or is it that the Cylons don't want to catch up to them yet? Or are mm. they just kind of sitting back and watching and seeing what they do now that their water supplies have been uh, depleted? Interesting interesting because I, I feel like uh at this point the Cylons 100% have the upper hand and could very very easily wipe out the fleet if they wanted to and it kind of feels like they're just playing a bit of cat and mouse with them for fun that's kind of the impression I get
1: interesting yeah I mean it, it feels very much like they have an overwhelming superiority in the uh in the air so to speak uh the air being space where there is no air. Um, and yet, yeah, they, they the Colonials get away and fall into this sense of, like, not full-on safety, but, like, momentary respite.
0: I just, I have a question, and I'm not sure if it's one that I should have picked up, but do we know how the Cylons communicate with one another?
2: Not yet. Not yet.
0: So, we don't know whether boomer has recently been my assumption is that she's like kind of uh what do you call it like a sleeper agent and has recently been activated Mm -hmm. but i mean that's that's only my assumption and i'm wondering how if um if that is the case how that was you know yeah how that that happened
1: we don't know if her activation was in her programming for like a certain amount of time, or for certain circumstances to uh, to pass for her to be triggered to do this, or if she was somehow activated
2: remotely.
0: Right.
2: We just don't know. We really don't. And, uh, but that's that. Oh. But that's that. Kind of brings me back to my my initial question, though, is if she's been activated as a sleeper agent, is part of that programming her putting on this show of denying like e- even e- like even to herself that that she's asylum and that she was involved denying I don't think so uh, blocking
1: I think yes I think that there is a, a definite uh, degree of uh, mental blocking of like or, or like compartmentalizing of that information like there mm-hmm. is the active part of her that has uh well, I mean, I guess we should go ahead and say it, like, I mean, clearly she's the one that set the charges. Clearly, like, what else could have happened? She woke up wet with a detonator and suddenly their water tanks have exploded. Hmm. Um But, like, you know, there's a part of her that knows that that is separate and distinct from the part of her that knows that she couldn't possibly have done
0: that. Well, and I think if you're again programmed to feel human even if you find out that you're a Cylon and are like you're aware of that it's I don't think you're um there's some probably personal strife I can imagine where you might be trying to find ways Hmm. to you know the brain can do a lot um when in like a kind of trauma like that which I have to assume that's how you would take that um is introduced so it's possible, maybe like on some deeper level, she knows and just isn't letting it, kind of bubble hmm. up. A bit of a
1: deep, deep denial.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, I mean, you make a great point, though. The the trauma that that would be. I mean, however old Sharon is, relative to you know being a Cylon, uh, however long that she's lived as a human, she's had this ingrained that the Cylons are the enemy they are like 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 mortal enemies of the humans they are not on even even par they are to be hated and feared and destroyed because they want to destroy us and then suddenly to feel like
2: i'm I'm one of them like i am the thing that i hate the most well and her job is literally to protect humans from cylons like that's what she does for a living yes and uh you know when it's you know a military thing like that It's, it's, you know, it's, it's your job, sure, but it's also kind of like your whole life. Yeah. So, you know, every, every waking moment of, of her life for however long she's been in the colonial fleet has been, you know, her sole purpose has been protect humans from Cylons. Uh, We've got multiple Dredus contacts. Why don't we take a break and hear from our sponsor this week and we'll jump to a safer location. We will uh, make sure that everyone listening gets the correct rendezvous coordinates and we'll be back. Hey everyone, I'm Kitsy. And I'm Caleb,
1: and this is Left of the Dial, a music podcast.
2: Every week, we each dig into our collections for a record we love, or a new record we're excited about, and talk about it.
1: We'll share clips of songs that stand out to us, and discuss why we chose each one, what we love about it, what we don't, and why
2: the record was important to us. Hopefully, we'll find some new music to love with every episode, and maybe you will too. So join us every Friday for new episodes at leftofthedial.fm, wherever podcasts are sold.
0: nailed it the physical restraint i just had to exercise to not (laughs) that was fall right back into that thank you thank
2: you oh oh, am i I bringing us back i forget who does that i think you do i think it doesn't matter who does it okay i'll do it (laughs) and we're back uh is the whole fleet accounted for uh yes i believe so excellent then we can continue
1: You didn't question me when I said I I believe so? Because I have to be certain.
0: (laughs) I'm hanging on the back of the ship.
1: (laughs) We make mistakes, people die. Yeah, that's true. We do make
2: mistakes and people die. This is a very high stakes podcast. It is. (laughs) I mean, one of us will probably die this season, let's be honest.
1: Oh, shit.
2: (laughs) Uh, so
1: I think it's important to, to take a moment from the, the plot discussion to dive a little bit into, uh, some of the, the human elements in this episode, because there are some really, really great, uh, bits of, of character, uh, development and, uh, some, some kind of famous dialogue that happens in this. Uh, but I think first and foremost, uh, Lee's very traumatized by the actions that he was ordered to take in the previous episode in destroying the Olympic carrier. Uh, And yes, he was acting on orders, but he's the one uh, that was leading the patrol and he's the one that fired first. uh, And he feels directly responsible. And even though you know, we talked a, a bit at, uh, in last episode about, you know, they don't know if there was anyone on that ship or not. But he can't shake that feeling that he was responsible for killing however many dozens or hundreds of uh, innocent civilians that could have been on that ship.
2: This is weighing, weighing very heavily on Lee. He's uh, he's upset. He, it's, you know, he's having dreams about it, what have you. And he's, he's talking to Commander Adama. Uh, and says, you know, I can't stop thinking about the Olympic carrier. And Adama says, you know, that was three days ago. It's ancient history under these circumstances. Leave the second guessing to the historians, uh, which is an interesting line given what's going on right now in the world, actually. Yeah. Um, and this is going to be ancient history when this comes out because this is like three weeks from now. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, point is, uh, so point is Lee's still like, but, you know, don't we like have to, you know, make sure we did the right thing? And, and Adama says, we did what we had to do, son. A man takes responsibility for his actions, right or wrong. He accepts the consequences and lives with them every
0: day. I just It's a really beautiful moment because I think we, I don't know that we do, but people around um, Adama tend to think that he's this like, kind of hard-headed military guy who can just kind of barrel through. But he's not saying that. And this is a moment where you really get to see that, that like you have to do it. You can't second guess yourself, but he's not saying it doesn't still weigh on him. Uh, right. Which I think is a really beautiful vulnerability to show his son when that's something that it seems like they've been butting heads about for the last three, <laughs> three days at least. So I thought that was really a really beautiful moment. Yeah,
2: I would agree with that. And then later, um, Apollo goes to Colonial One to talk to to Laura Roslin about it, and she she you know says. Um, you know, I know what a hard thing that is to live with. I can't stop struggling with it myself. Um, and then Lee even says, you know, I can't stop thinking about it. But a man has to accept responsibility for his actions. He doesn't second guess the choices he makes. He lives with them every day. Really just echoing what his father just told him. Uh, but I think what's really cool about this um, this thing is, is she makes a, a... She tells him a story about uh, former President Adar who uh i forget what exactly what it was like he sent the military in for for something um it, you know and he uh and 15 people died 15 people died because of, of what he did and you know he he was sure he made the right choice but it was still weighing on him heavily and um you know even though he couldn't admit to it publicly he kind of had to you know keep that statement of like i you know i I made the choice i had to make and whatnot um, but he kept, uh, you know, he knew it was a mistake in, in his heart. And so he kept the names of the dead in his desk drawer. Um, and at that point, uh, Laura reveals to Lee that she's got Olympic Carrier written on a piece of paper uh, in her desk drawer, um, showing that, you know, she's kind of feeling the same thing. Like, you know, was this a mistake? Was this not? Like, I don't want, I want to make sure I don't forget this. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is a really cool moment between the two of them.
1: And that's something that I think that this show continues to do really well is to have those quiet very human moments of like <clears throat> showing how someone might actually react to a scenario like this like the entire scenario uh, be you know being sci-fi being set in in space with, uh, sentient robots chasing after through uh, through hyper jumps. Uh, it you know it takes a little suspension of disbelief, but they really make up for that by those like kind of gritty personal moments that make you feel like uh, this, like this could actually be happening, you know, in a, in a city in the U.S. right now. Yeah,
0: I think as somebody who is so new to the show, uh, the way you kind of just described Caleb the. The sort of trappings of the show, like what's on the outside, um, is what I thought the show was, and why I stayed away from it for so long. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm continually, continuously, I'm still confused on the two of them. Uh, continually surprised by how uh, subtle and nuanced a lot of the interactions between the people on the show um, can be, and I think that's a really good example of that. Of that yeah. There.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the reason I love this show so much is, you know, what drew me in was the whole sci-fi space travel, you know, aspect of it, because that's, like, right up my alley with things I enjoy. But I think what really hooked me was, you know, they very easily could have made a show that was just a, you know, space battle of the week, um, and they did not do that. Uh, Instead, they really explored, you know, they really developed these characters, they really explored how the the events are weighing on these characters how they affect these characters they they really explore kind of how society handles this situation and and kind of the breakdowns that happen and the class divides uh and and you know for me that's that's what makes this such a great show like the 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 space battle and all that stuff is kind of just there and auxiliary to it and while it's super cool and they did a great job with that stuff too like, yeah. the the story that they weave uh, in between that is is really what I think is, is the real draw of this show for me.
1: We also get to see kind of you know, the the scope of this show is huge, you know, because you have this fleet of however many ships with, you know, almost 50,000 humans on it. And then you also have the fleet of Cylons and you also have things happening on Caprica, uh, which we'll get back to in a moment. Uh, but... You know they they do a really good job of revealing some of the layers of what's happening elsewhere without spreading the storyline too thin we mm-hmm. get uh you know when when we first learn about the you know the the sudden uh, and violent water shortage uh, you know there's concerns that people are going to uh, be not okay with suddenly having to ration and you know with with having a shortage of water which understandably. I mean, they're already in a, a fight for their lives. And now you're saying like, we're, we might run out of water. Like yeah. that's going to, that's going to panic people.
2: And well, Colonel Ty even says something to the effect of like, you know, the military's used to rations, but the general public, you know, they don't like being told they can't take a shower or wash their laundry
1: or drink uh, more than a thimble full uh, a day.
2: Yeah. Which is, <laughs> uh, which is absolutely true. Like if you told me I could only have so much water a day, I'd be like, uh, what? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a, a hard order to make and, and to enforce across this, this large fleet. And we learned that, sure enough, uh, riots are starting to break out on uh, – I love that it, it's a cruise ship, which means that the passengers on that probably started out uh, on a fucking vacation, and now <laughs> they're having – uh you know something worse than uh, a carnival trip with uh, coronavirus <laughs> um, and so uh, Rosalind and Adama are, are discussing this of what to do and you know Rosalind uh wants the the uh the Galactica to provide security to the fleet, and you know Adama tries to protest like we don't we don't have the manpower for that, and she's like you know you have the only Well, she explicitly says, you have the only armed, disciplined force available. Uh, And we get one of Adama's most powerful lines, and I think one of his most famous ones that's even been memed uh, from the entire show. Yeah, but I'm not going to be your policeman. There's a reason why you separate the military and the police. One fights the enemy of the state, the other serves and protects the people. When the military becomes both, then the
2: enemies of the state tend to become the people. Uh. And how just apt is that for what's happening in the world right now too. Like yeah.
0: Yeah. I was like dumbfounded. I had to pause and sit with that for a second and then go back and watch it again. Just thinking about the tanks rolling through uh like literal tanks, right? Rolling through uh Kitsy's neighborhood just what, just last week?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when St. Louis was under occupation in 2015 ish, uh that that meme i think was that was the first time i saw it make the rounds and i was just like holy shit like how does this character the that edward james almost just uh fucking nails in every sentence like how is that so prescient to like the mid-2010s in the u.s
0: it's unbelievable
2: it's it's supposed to be fiction yeah and again it was the bumps now it happened in the mid-2010s, and now here we are 2020, and it's still relevant. Yep. Yep.
0: It's almost like we're bad at learning lessons, huh?
1: <laughs> Something like that. Almost, uh, all of this has happened before, and all of it will happen again. So we mentioned that there's still some events going on back on Caprica, and we actually touched on it last time because we learned that uh, Hilo was still alive and on the run from the Cylons, and he runs into Sharon.
2: But wait, Caleb, I thought Sharon was on Galactica. <laughs> but she is on Galactica. Well, how's she also on Caprica? How is
0: she also on Caprica?
2: <gasps> it's not the same Sharon.
0: Y'all know there are Cylons in the <laughs> show, right? That <laughs> there can be. Did what did you guys miss that? I'm sorry, what? That... Y'all There's this one... is Oh no, I'm embarrassed for you both. <laughs> So we don't get a
1: lot of uh, of time spent with Sharon and Hilo on, on Caprica. They're, they're attempting to get back to Sharon's raptor and escape, uh, but it's overrun by silent centurions, and so they're trying to find uh, some other way. Off, they pick up a colonial military signal, uh, signal, so they think that they might be able to to hunt that down. But what we do see uh, is what feels to me like maybe the beginnings of a stronger bond between those mm-hmm. two. Uh, there's, there's definitely it goes a little bit beyond the the friendly banter of the the pilot and Orisio.
0: Yeah, and that kind of speaks to uh, one of my questions, and I think the our first episode our pilot episode i think um where i asked about how sort of like memories and personalities work or we were talking about that in some way um and it doesn't seem like there's any overlap or connection between helo's boomer and uh other guys boomer tyrol is that right yeah yeah okay tyrol's boomer um
2: maybe maybe for more clarity we can call them galactica boomer and caprica boomer okay because one's on Galactica and one's on Caprica.
0: Yeah, I'm going to mix that up, but that is not... That's nobody's <laughs> fault but my own. Uh, galactica? Exactly. Um, but... Cap-lactica? But yeah. Cap-l- uh, there's the one who's on...
2: Capralapa? <laughs> there it is, Capra-la- that's the one. Capralaprica. Oh
1: my God. <laughs> um, But yeah, so it, like... You get a sense that there's some degree of continuity between these two Sharons. Uh, Obviously like she at least pretends to have an understanding of why Hela was there and a backstory for how she, you know, disobeyed orders and came back because she just had to, to rescue him, which feels very noble. Uh, But, and like her mannerisms are very similar, but we start to see a divergence in the two of them here Uh, because this Sharon doesn't seem to be pining for the chief at all.
0: If Caprica and Galactica boomers um, are separate enough that one could know that they're a Cylon, it seems that at least one has been activated. Like it does seem like there's a difference there, but where, where do they diverge then? Because like you said, she seems to be fine flirting with Hilo on Caprica. But, so that would imply that there is some separation, right? But she does seem to know enough to not be like, what the fuck am I doing on Caprica? We were just, so I'm, I'm wondering how the, I guess the technology is the thing that I would want to know more about. I don't know.
1: It almost feels like she either was, was programmed to like her existence picks up from the moment that she decides to go rogue and go back for, for Hilo. Or that's just the, the point at which her backstory starts and she does already know, but at this point we don't know uh, what that is, but in some way or another, her story starts with that decision to go back and, and get him and everything else that we know about Sharon is just backstory for her.
0: Can I ask a question of you two that you might not be able to answer for me? Yes, sure. Do we ever find out more about... So, um, let's say Boomer is the seventh, right, in a line of 12. Um, Can they just kind of come off the conveyor belt? Like, they're like, oh, we need a seven on Caprica. Um, And so, they kind of spit her out. And up to that point, she has whatever knowledge or information or memories or whatever that... Uh, Galactica, there I did it, Boomer has. (laughs) And it's at that point that things begin to diverge? The only
1: answer that I would give is that we do find a lot more about how
2: Cylons operate uh, as the show unfolds. Uh, So so it won't be mysteries forever. All of those questions will be answered at some point on the show.
0: Awesome.
1: So uh, I think really this uh, this little uh, moment with uh, Sharon and Hilo on Caprica is more just to kind of keep that storyline fresh on the on the burner, but they don't spend a lot of time on it. What we do is end up back uh, at the fleet, where they're uh, searching the the uh, surrounding systems for planets that might have water, and they're sending out search uh, search raptors to confirm. If those uh, planets do, because the Raptors do have limited faster-than-light capability, so they can jump out, do a scan, and then jump back and repeat that process. And they've been doing this for for quite some time, and are just about uh, just about exhausting their their options in the, in this one system. And there's a, a little conversation between Ty and Adama of like, what do we do if we don't find any water in this system? Well, we jump to the next system and start over. It's like, the fuck do you think we're gonna yeah. do it? I'd love to. Oh, like, we'll just go to
2: Walmart and pick up a <laughs> you know, some bottled water and just be fine with that. Tie
1: with a little bit of kind of defeatism, and Adama is just like 100% practical. Like, there is no other option. We find water,
2: we, yeah. We keep, we keep looking until we find it or we die. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty much those are the choices. <laughs>
1: It's the you know the unspoken reality uh, is that you know the, it literally is a a life or death situation, and not finding it isn't an option. Uh, and so that's where we get uh, we we touched on this earlier. So we get the the payoff now of a scene where um, Boomer and Crashdown are in their their uh, raptor, and they've been they're just about ready to give up in the search. They've had no luck except. Uh, As Sharon is saying that she's got negative contact, we're seeing her screen, positive contact found for, for water. So what the fuck's happening? Like, does she just
2: not see it? I mean, I think she's, uh, my, my take on this situation, um, is that she's fighting something that's telling her to say it's not there and You'll also see, at this point, she reaches her hand down to the, the right of her seat, and there's a detonator with uh, with the explosives there. And, she's, ah. and she reaches down, and she's, like, gonna press it, and she kind of pulls back. And, like, you can tell she's wrestling with it. And I so I think what's happening is that her subconscious is trying to sabotage this finding of the water by either making her say there's nothing there or blow up the ship, like yep. blow up the raptor that they're in or something and she's fighting it and she and she and she doesn't even really necessarily know that's what's happening um because she even says like oh let's do another scan and 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 you know again she's getting positive contacts and she's like i'm having trouble saying it and you know and I, i i think it comes off to to crash down as like she's so excited That this, uh, that she's found water that she's having a hard time, like being like, oh my God, there it is. But really, what's happening is that, you know, she's literally having trouble saying it, where, you know, something in her subconscious is stopping her from being able to say it out loud.
1: I absolutely missed all that nuance on my initial views of this episode. And same, I I watched it with a completely different uh, perspective this time around, knowing that she was a. No, I mean, I guess we knew she was a sound, but kind of knowing what would happen, uh, I was able to kind of like really watch her reactions. And yeah, this is where I say that like maybe on some level she knows, but she is actively fighting with herself and you can see the struggle and the pain on her face as she says negative contact the first time, but like refuses to jump away and make and like let's let's check again and you know maybe she's hoping that uh, crash down will find it this time but he you know he doesn't but she gets the same positive contact and it's that that fight in her eyes and i don't also in positive it did not occur to me just how fucking brilliant of a plan uh that it was to have the other detonator on her raptor because how best to uh cl- like cover your tracks And to, like, get out of there as a spy, since we know that uh, when a Cylon dies, their consciousness downloads into a new body, and now she has all of this intel, and she's completed her mission, and she can just pick right up where she left off. How fucking brilliant of a plan
2: to to sabotage
1: and destroy that raptor with her in it and, like, kill their efforts to find water.
2: Yeah, and not only that, but then everyone in Galactica thinks she's dead, and her suspicion of being a Cylon, gone. Yeah.
1: Until they also, see her. until they see her, her
0: again. <laughs> <else>. <laughs> Ooh, y'all oh shit. The uh, several things, but what's most now I'm I'm having trouble saying it. Um, <laughs> so the quick thing that I wanna jump <laughs> jump back to um, hey. is back from the first no, it's the start of the second half of the mini series. Um, where I posited that the Apollo um, that we meet, who can't really explain how he showed up, like what happened, Um, we think he's been blown up or something at the end of the first half of the miniseries. I forget exactly what. And I posited that maybe he was a new Lee who had been downloaded, whatever. Um, And it sounds like uh, Boomer's little plan that obviously didn't have to be executed um, would have been quite similar to that. Uh, So I just want to put a little pin in that as I'm tracing who I think could or couldn't be um, a Cylon. And the other Mm. thing is, uh, one of the really incredible things about the show making the Cylon so human-like is it forces us to kind of ask specific questions about humanity. Like, that's such a fight um, for Boomer, clearly uh, trying to exercise free, the idea thereof anyway, of free will. Um, Mm -hmm. And you know, which half of Boomer is the sort of real, real half. And when one wins out, right. Um, how much control. And then just thinking about where exactly is that, um, resistance coming from? Is there like, how does the part of Boomer that is the Cylon know that she's at like a kind of kill switch moment, um, you know what I'm, what I mean? like is yeah. there somebody monitoring things from somewhere else? Is there? I'm just I'm interested to see what happens with that.: Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Well, and it, it comes back to your question earlier that we didn't really answer and won't, uh, but like you know, are are there, <laughs> are there cylons that maybe don't believe in the cause of eradicating humanity? And if so, like what does that look like when it comes to uh, actions of defiance like this? Is that the case here? We don't know. Uh, But it definitely kind of feels like she feels more of a connection to what she thinks is her humanity than to the programming that she had to sabotage this this endeavor.
0: So maybe it's not so much. Because in my head, I was like, somebody's trying to override, right? Somebody's saying this is what needs to happen. And the human part of Boomer is saying no. Um, But maybe it is just, right, it's in their wiring to you know work against to do whatever needs to be done etc
2: only time will tell mm-hmm. 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 so they jump back to the fleet Crashdown announces they have water everyone parties except for sharon except for sharon except because they they land in 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 galactica in the hangar bay and they're they're getting off the the raptor and everyone's like, yeah, you guys did it. You found the water. You're our heroes. And, uh, Sharon, uh, says, Hey chief, can you go look at my like ejector thing on my seat or whatever? I think there's a malfunction and chief immediately goes, Hey Callie. And Sharon cuts him off. He's like, no chief, I need you to look at it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's not suspicious
2: at all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So he goes to look. And of course he finds the detonator. He disables it, you know, what, what have you, but, uh, you know, now he's like, what the fuck? And so he, we find out that he has given that to the master at arms, <laughs> uh, to which Sharon flips out at him. Like, what the fuck? Damn like it, They're going to think I'm a Cylon. And and he's like, no, 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 this is great. This puts them on the same trail we're on. They don't know, it, you know, they don't think it was you. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. Everything's cool. This is, this is how we should do it. This is how we should handle this. Uh, and they kiss
1: cuz that's what they do. I mean that is what they do. That's right. Yeah. Um and I, I can't remember if it's immediately after this uh but I do know it's you know the the closing sequence of the the episode where she's just walking down a hallway by herself and for the first time she doesn't have that like fear or confusion or like inner turmoil uh she actually like starts to look confident and Almost, almost a little bit like an, a, a a knowing or like, dare I say, evil smile on her face. Mm-hmm.
2: And that's like I the, got away with something.
1: Yeah, that is the the one time where I, I think that it's like it's finally like she's fully activated and fully knowledgeable of it, and it makes me wonder. Um, If that's something that she's going to be, like, wrestling back and forth with, or if that's now just a switch is flipped and that's who she is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. I didn't think about that possibility of the... I kind of looked at it like, well, here's, you know, here this is going to be Boomer for, you know, moving forward. But we didn't actually see how the placing the original detonators went, right? So Mm -hmm. um, we don't really have what you know, what well, to compare that to, I guess.
1: Um. And it, it It's going to be an interesting thing to, to learn about the Cylons is like, was the Boomer persona just all an act and a cover for her Cylon persona or is she capable of deeper layers and like more complex
2: behaviors and maybe they're both her and she has to reconcile that. I think before we wrap up today, uh, it's important to uh, mention a couple things we didn't really cover that were just kind of, um, you know, p- points that start kind of set things up for the future. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking of they, uh, when Adama says like, okay, we have at least one silent agent aboard this, this, the ship. Uh, he kind of, you know, points to Baltar and is like, Hey, how's that silent detector coming? <laughs> and Baltar, you know, Baltar is his way out of that conversation. Uh, <laughs> With his typical is, brand of bullshit. That uh, is definitely a verb. Yeah, no, he's he's uh about that and, uh, you know, going on and on about the technical difficulties that he's having and whatnot. And Adama says, listen, your intellect, uh, you know, clearly uh, dwarfs that of anyone in this room, but I can tell by the way you're talking. And you think he's going to say, you're fucking full of shit. Um, but what he does say is, uh, you know, I can tell by the way you're talking that you're going to need some help. And Baltar's mm-hmm. like, yes, of course, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> wasn't what he was saying at all. Um, to which uh, Lieutenant Gaeta gets assigned to be uh, Baltar's gopher. And and he's fucking he, thrilled about it. And he, Oh, boy, he's <laughs> so thrilled. Uh, and uh, at one point, they pop by the, the officer's kind of lounge, and uh, Baltar sits down to get in a game of whatever the cards are that they play uh, with Starbuck. And uh, Gata's like, shouldn't we be working on the Cylon Detector? And Baltar looks. and is like, "Don't let me keep you." And Kate's just like, "You <laughs> fucking prick," and walks away. Uh, and then Baltar, of course, uh, beats Starbuck in cards with uh, Andrea's favorite uh, hand of cards.
0: Full colors. Full colors. Full colors.
2: And he's uh, such
0: a, yeah, he's just such a used car salesman when he's like trying to bring people to the table there, and he's mm-hmm. like, "This coat is what you know, made of whatever, and the finest blah blah blah." Um, and everybody falls for the act, um, even Starbuck by the end of it, they have that moment mm-hmm. where he gives her the, um, the cigar from wherever, one of the last in the universe, which he lights for her immediately. I feel like I would have held on to that for a little while, but um, and you know she blows the smoke in his face, and they have this really sort of like charged moment that I was um, kind of surprised and intrigued uh, to see to see happen there um,
1: the uh, the game is called Triad, by the way. Oh, it's basically the, the 12 colonies version of poker.
0: Oh.
2: And so is full colors like a full house? I don't know anything about poker. It's the highest winning
1: hand, so yeah. I mean, it's basically was it, uh Royal Flush, I think, is the, uh, the highest oh, winning hand Are, in, are in you poker, looking so.
0: at something with detailed rules?
1: I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, a- I'm actually just looking at the wiki page, which is uh, fairly light in information. Um, I just mostly looked it up for the, uh, the name,
2: but I
0: wanna play that game though.
2: There someone are... has, I guarantee you someone has made a deck and made rules and that game exists somewhere. And when we get I to mean...
0: 5,000 downloads, we'll play with our two favorite listeners over zoom. Um, and I'm going to win with full colors or I'm going to quit halfway through.
1: So, someone made an actual board game of Pyramid, which is the sport that they play in this show, but was actually a a card-based game that was played in the original show. Interesting. That shit gets meta, man. It really does. This is the
0: nerd shit that I'm here (laughs) for, yes.
1: This is the content that I come here for. Mm -hmm. There's
2: there's one more scene that I think we need to talk about before we, we jump out of here, and... Uh, that is the scene where Laura Roslin borrows a book from Commander Adama. Yes. It's such a, 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 it's a short scene. It's, it doesn't really add anything to the plot, so to speak, but there's so much character development in this very short exchange. And I love that about it.
0: Yeah. It's such a beautiful moment. And the thing that I think I've said that like 12 times this episode, but there were a lot of beautiful moments. Um, the thing that I love so much about that scene, especially is that Rosalind is talking to Lee in that moment. Um, and uh Apollo um or and Adama just kind of grabs that book off his shelf and hands it to her. He didn't have to do that. And it's, I don't know, lending books. Nope, oh, never lend your books. He says, Never lend a book. I, also really like. I um I'm like a book hoarder and I will buy multiple copies of my favorite books so that I don't have to lend them. Um, and so that was, that spoke to my, um, English major heart. I loved that very much, but it was also just such a kind of subtle way of showing that they're kind of softening right on each other.
2: Um, Mm -hmm.
1: yeah. It's another very human moment because Laura like starts this conversation by saying like, you know, I see you've got all these books. Can you lend me one? I, I only brought three with me, you Mm -hmm. know? All right no I only I think I only brought one with me for the like the trip to and from Galactica from Caprica like she didn't mm-hmm. anticipate more than like maybe uh, you know a few hours in space yeah this uh, was supposed and- to be
0: an
2: afternoon trip
0: like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> three outfits in one book
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah she had she she had three outfits in one book uh and so she's she is dying for something else to read and uh, You know, because this has been Adama's home, he has this whole little library there, and they kind of have a a brief moment of bonding over uh, an author that they both like, and, you know, he finds a book by that author that she hasn't read and gives it to her, and yeah, it's just such a a sweet moment, uh, because in public, the commander has this, like like almost never lets down that really gruff, tough persona. And when he has these private moments where he like shows that even just the, the slightest bit of emotion, it's like,
0: Oh, we love you commander. <laughs> a curmudgeon with a heart of gold is like my <laughs> favorite, my favorite, uh, kind of character trope. It's so and good. Not,
1: not for the first or last time. Will I say that I absolutely fucking love Edward James Olmos's performance of this character. Um, Nobody else know. could have
2: done this character as well as He's he did. So yeah. Good. I, 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 I absolutely think you're right there. He's perfect. So actually, I lied. There's one more thing I want to talk about, which is just kind of a little funny moment. I uh, have one
0: too. So we've got two on the...
2: I wonder if it's the same one. Our friend Billy.
0: Billy Ray Cylon?
2: Yeah. <laughs> go for it, Andrea. So we
0: have one moment. You go first, because I think yours will probably be a little more on target than, uh, than mine will.
2: So there's a uh, there's a moment where towards the beginning of the episode where they're getting uh, the president's getting ready to go over to Galactica for this water ceremony and um, she's getting getting dressed. and She's says, you know, I, I think I'm going to get bored of my outfits. I only have three for the rest of my life. Um, and Billy says it, it looks fine. And she's like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, it looks great. And she's like, you don't know anything about women, do you? Uh, and then we get the, the kind of, that's the kind of the setup. And then we get the, the punchline of that of, uh, later, uh, he's trying to flirt with, uh, petty officer Dewalla, Um, and, uh, you know, and she's just kind of like, what really? And he's like, I like your hair. And she's like, my hair. (laughs) And she's just like, like, dude, I'm at work. Don't flirt with me while I'm at work. Like, she's just like (laughs) not having it. Uh, And he's just like, I don't know anything about women. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Billy.
0: Poor Billy Ray, still a Cylon, if you ask me. And in fact, I believe this even more so after um, getting to see Boomer uh, kind of fight against her instinct. Because my original argument for why Billy Ray Cylon is most definitely a Cylon is that he somehow managed to get lost on the ship and only... Bad guys pretending to be good guys get lost in places where they have no reason getting lost. Um, but Billy does seem genuinely startled by the fact that he shows up in the locker room um, in that first episode. So I think my argument, my theory is that maybe he really didn't know that he was snooping around until he was kind of startled out of it, you know, by being in the, when he shows up to the whatever we decided to call it, the, the locker room.
2: Oh, so kind of like, like Sharon, that was his moment where he woke up wet and dripping and didn't know
0: why. (laughs) You feel good about that?
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. Okay.
0: All right. Well, good then. Yeah. That's what we're going with.
2: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Poor Uh, Billy Ray Cylon. Poor Billy
0: Ray Cylon. Uh, I can't wait Uh, to be proven right.
2: He's like, he's like 13 and he just wants, no, he's older than that. He's got to be like in his 20s, but he's just he just wants to love and be taken seriously as a person
0: <laughs> as a person
2: <laughs> when you can hear the air quotes yes
1: <laughs> <laughs> so do we have any uh any any parting thoughts on this episode anything that we think uh we wanna wanna leave on
0: I don't, but I would love for our um especially our new listeners um to let us know if we've missed anything that you were waiting uh, to hear us talk about on this episode, because it was really rich. There was a lot, obviously. Um, so yeah. we're not going to get to touch on everything every week, uh, but I'm super interested uh, to hear what our listeners are, are thinking about, especially if they're new. Like me, that's something that has been really hard for me, is that I want to binge this show and dive yes. in and Google and read everything. <laughs> and I can't, and the only two people I have to talk about this show have seen it all already so i can't theorize with y'all in the same way i would if this were a new show um so holler at us on all the social medias yes i i know
1: i know for sure that we do have at least a few brand new listeners and uh you know some others that are reliving it like uh kitsy and myself uh so yeah let us know uh what we missed or like what your take was like tell us what you think about the uh the inner turmoil of sharon does she know uh, in this episode, that she's a she's a Cylon. Uh, you can find us on both uh, Instagram and Twitter at SetCon One Number One Podcast at SetCon One Podcast. So please let us know what you think. Uh, I w- I will me- throw out
2: there if if you have seen the series, please no spoilers for yes. for Andrea's please, sake please, and please, for please, our please. our new listeners' sake. Uh, yes. Please try to stay stay only with things that we've covered up until now. If, if you could please do that, we would all that's, appreciate that.
1: That's super important. Don't, don't ruin the experience for the, the, the newcomers, uh, or, uh, you know, we'll, we'll throw you out the airlock. I don't <laughs> know, we, do, we probably won't do that. That's, that's, that's aggressive.
0: I'll just be a big <laughs> baby about it.
2: Yeah.
1: But yeah, of course, so uh, check us out on uh, on social media. Give us a follow if you would like. Make sure you subscribe if you're enjoying this, uh, this weekly content. Listen to us every Tuesday. Uh, as we do a new episode every week, you can find us at setcondition one throughout the podcast.com And you can also check us out at nightshiftradio.com. Uh, and if you visit the slash shows page, you can see all of our other Nightshift Radio pages. And with that, uh, we found water for the fleet. Uh, we're repairing the tanks. So we're going to spool up the FTL drives and jump to that planet and get us some water. Thanks for listening.
2: Begin jump prep. We're leaving
1: be back. Start your prep.
2: Set Condition One is a Night Shift Radio production.
0: Visit NightShiftRadio.com for more information.